Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, with my co-host here, Christopher Klein, and our producer, Uriah Young. And we have several of our contributors on again today. This is actually a very special podcast because this is, first off, our 50th episode, beginning of season three of our podcast, as well as our second mo- uh, roundtable mock draft. We're only doing the first round this time because... It just—it was very long last time, so we're just going to do the first round of this mock draft this time. It has not been posted yet, so you guys get a sneak peek about what this roundtable is going to look like before the draft, or it might just be just this. We'll, we'll figure that out later. But like I said before, we had several of our contributors on, Justin DeVirgil, Jonathan Geib, Matthew uh, Kleschko, and Adam Gilbert. Uh, this mock draft is based on the actual draft order, so it's a little different from what we did last time. But uh, so the order is based off of the upcoming draft this week, and uh, I get the first pick. But I think Chris, you're going to be uh, uh, narrating it like last time, correct? So, uh, Chris, you want to go ahead and take it away? Actually, I think I'm doing it this time. Oh, you're doing it this time? Okay. Yeah, it's one one less thing on Chris's plate. So. All right, gentlemen, we're going to jump right into it. Lucas, you you pretty much already know what's going on. Minnesota with the first pick. Lucas, who are you going with? I still got to go with the player with the biggest upside, and that's Lomelo Ball. They might trade down, but I, if if I know Minnesota, I think they go with the best available player, and I think uh, Ball makes the most sense for them in terms of upside there. 
I mean, they could go a different direction with maybe Anthony Edwards, but I, I feel like Ball is the number one pick in terms of talent in this draft. All right, and he is he is a top pick on on a lot of people's boards that that I've been seeing, and with the second pick, uh, the Golden State Warriors surprisingly, and that pick goes to Adam. Yeah, so the Warriors with the second pick, how they find themselves here, right? They're going to end up, at least for me, I think that they take James Wiseman. I actually think it's more likely that they don't draft and that they end up trading this pick for something that can help them more like now because their title window is is open again with Curry and Thompson being back. But if they do take someone, I think Wiseman's the guy that makes the most sense. Um, they're really just missing that size guy to patrol the middle. Um, we didn't get to see a ton from him at Memphis, um, so it's not really worth it to kind of look at the statistics surrounding his time in college. Um, but he's got a unique size. He's got a lot of touch away from the rim, and and he even has that ability to play with power on the inside. And honestly, he'll probably have a real impact if they were to take him, like the his rookie season, just because a lot of the focal point of Golden State's offense is Curry and Thompson running around Jack and threes. So you'd have to imagine that Wiseman would benefit from never having to face a double team with, with those guys running around. Um, but like I said, likely the pick gets traded, but the upside for Wiseman is real. I mean, people have been comparing him to Joel Embiid as we lead up to the draft. And I'm not saying that that's what he's going to be. He's definitely going to need to see some improvement to get to that level. But um, the size and the skill set coming out certainly mirror Joe, Joe a little bit. Moving on, let's go to the third pick in the draft, which belongs to the Charlotte Hornets, and that pick is being given by Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, so with the third pick, the Charlotte Hornets are going to select Anthony Edwards. Um, you know, two main reasons for this pick. Number one, you know, Ball and Wiseman and Edwards are kind of the big three in this draft, so they're kind of going to be stuck with whichever one's left. Is The Hornets need a lot of help, and Second reason is, you know, Dwayne Bacon kind of fell through the cracks and Terry Rozier was a was a fine replacement for a season, but he's not a permanent answer. And in my mind, Edward fit, Edwards fits their role um, exactly how they need it. Yeah, Charlotte needs help. They've It seems like they've always needed help. Maybe they can strike gold in this draft. But with the fourth pick in the draft, the Chicago Bulls will be taking who, Lucas? The Bulls get Isaac Okoro with this pick. Now, Okoro is usually a little bit lower on most people's draft boards, but I like Okoro's fit here in terms of the Bulls really lack a defensive identity right now, especially with the backcourt of Zach Levine and Kobe White. Uh, Wendell Carter's a good defender, but not great. Laurie Markkinen's not good. So Okoro here, he's the best defender in the draft, and while he's not really good offensively, the rest of their starting five can stretch the floor. So his lack of outside shooting will be masked by their ability to stretch the floor. So I like his his fit there at the small forward position for them moving forward. It's a good point, Lucas. Always needing a defensive anchor, especially up in Chicago. A lot of offensive weapons, not a lot of defense. With the number five pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers are taking who, Matt? Yes, with the fifth pick, the Cavs are going to be taking Denny Avdia. Um, He's a foreign player from Israel, and, you know, the Cavs offense really struggled last year. And Avdia, in my mind, he brings three things. The first is that playmaking ability that they so desperately need with, you know, they're one of the lowest teams in the league in terms of assists per game. Um, He's also pretty versatile and can play, play, the two through four position extremely well. And he's a 
his potential, his offensive potential is, is through the roof. And as I said, the Cavs desperately need offense. All right. Thanks, Matt. And the number six pick, the Atlanta Hawks, will go to Chris. Yeah. So with the number six pick, the Hawks are going to select Killian Hayes, who spent last season in Germany. He's a French guard, grew up in France, but his father played college ball in the U.S., has, you know, a high a basketball bloodline, essentially. Might seem a little bit outside the box for Atlanta. They obviously don't need another point guard, but Hayes at six foot five with a six eight wingspan has plenty of size to play next to Trey Young. And for me, he's the one B to Lamella Ball's one A in this draft. He's right at the top of my board. I think he's the best player available. He will need to develop more off the ball in order to make that fit with Young better. But he's a great pick and roll playmaker, a really smart player overall, has a ton of shot making potential, and he can defend both guard spots. So I, I think long-term it works, and I think long-term it, it would be a really solid haul for Atlanta. Okay, and Jonathan, with the seventh pick in the draft for the Detroit Pistons, who you got? Yeah, the Pistons are going to take Obi Toppin. When uh, we did this mock draft a couple months back, uh, I picked Obi Toppin at five. I think outside of the top three where people agree with Wiseman, Edwards, and Ball, I think Toppin's the best available he's incredibly athletic his offensive game can fit in the nba right away the pistons moved on from andre drummond so they're kind of in the market for a big and i think toppin and griffin can play great side by side both incredibly athletic uh bigs the only issue people talk about with toppin is his defense but i think he can develop and i think he's an nba ready player right now and with the number eight pick the new york knicks are going to be taking who, Justin? The New York Knicks are going to select Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State because he's been at Iowa State for three years, so he's got some experience compared to last year drafting a freshman at R.J. Barrett. Also gives a nice compliment to R.J. Barrett as he's a better outside shooter. He shot 49.3% on spot-up shots last year at Iowa State. A good decision-maker, has good character. Only downside is his lack of athleticism, and he's kind of thin for a 6'5", 6'5 guard. But the Knicks will be having a nice young core with Barrett, Halliburton, and Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, good luck to the Knicks. They they need something up there. <laughs> they need anything up there. All right, and with the number nine pick, the Washington Wizards will be taking who, Lucas? The Wiz get Devin Vassell. He's a th- one of the best 3 and D product. Prospects in this draft has a little bit of a mid-range game, versatile, long defender, uh, probably right behind Aquara when it comes to perimeter defense in this draft. So I like him, and they need a they need a long-term starting three right now in Washington, and I think that he fits nicely next to Wall and Beal, assuming that backcourt stays together. And with back-to-back picks, Lucas, uh, you'll be picking for the next team at the number 10 spot, and that's the Phoenix Suns. The Suns uh, go for a little bit of a reach here because they definitely have a need. uh, I think their biggest need right now is point guard. They need a point guard of the future, and I think Tyrese Maxey can be that player. He's able to play off the ball, which is good for playing with Devin Booker. But he also has an aggressive mean streak that kind of reminds me a little bit of Kyle Lowry. And I think he can definitely get to the basket at will, which is good. 
So I think Maxi is a great pick and a steal. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that we look back in about two or three years being like, oh, yeah, he's a top 10 guy. Okay. And never thought I would, would see this pick. Uh, the Spurs with a high pick at number 11 is going to Jonathan. Yeah, with the 11th pick, the Spurs are going to take R.J. Hampton. I think uh, international talent is kind of Greg Popovich's M.O., and I think that he can pick it wisely. R.J. Hampton was a top-five potential pick going into last year, and then he went college to go to New Zealand. And I think that when any time someone goes and plays overseas, that there's a lot of questions about how the competition they're playing and their development. But I think R.J. Hampton is a stud, and I think he'll fit in well in San Antonio. And with the number 12 pick – which goes to the Sacramento Kings, we have Adam. Yeah, so Nova Nation's going to be happy to hear that uh, with the 12th overall pick, uh, the Kings are going to take Sadiq Bey. Um, he's probably going a little early in our draft, earlier than what he will um, come Wednesday night. Um, but I really like what he brings to the table. He averaged 16 points a game, uh, 4.7 rebounds and shot 47% from the field and 45% from three, which was actually fourth best in the nation last year in college. So he's a real good sharpshooter from downtown. Um, he's quietly, honestly, one of the best prospects in the draft, a guy who's going to make an immediate impact on an NBA team. He's got good size at 6'8". It's going to allow him to play the three, even the four maybe. Um, he's a physical player who passes relatively well. And I already mentioned the three-point shooting percentage because you, so you know he can really shoot it. He'd be a good catch-and-shoot player to pair next to De'Aaron Fox, who's a great slashing guard. And he's also not a bad ball handler, and I'm sure he'll grow into a better defender with a size like 6'8". Um, so people are all talking about him just kind of being this solid rotation player, maybe a good 3 and D player. Um, and I actually think there's a chance he grows to be something more than that with the Kings. So Sacramento's got a nice young and up-and-coming up and core, um, and I think throwing Sheik Bay in the mix would uh, help them grow substantially. All right, good stuff, good stuff. And with the 13th pick in the draft, the New Orleans Pelicans would be taking who, Matt? Pelicans are going to be taking Aaron Naismith. Um, Naismith, you know, in my mind, he's, he's a – all around solid player. He's he's especially good at shooting the basketball, and that's really what the Pelicans need. Um, should they trade Drew Holiday? Um, you know, I could see him competing with Josh Hart for that starting shooting guard spot. If not, I think the bench is a perfect place for him to start out his career until he can bump up into that starting spot. All right, and with the 14th pick in the draft, the Boston Celtics will be taking who, Jonathan? The Boston Celtics are going to be taking Cole Anthony. He seems to be dropping far on people's boards. I think early in this year, he before his knee injury, he was playing incredible. I think his first three college games, he was averaging about 27 points a game. And he's just he's just a scorer. And I think people are curious if the injury impacted him a little more than than he said, or if his game will translate to the next level because he's kind of small. But I think Boston will fit in great and he can come off the bench and learn from Kemba. So I think that the Celtics should go with Cole here. Moving right along, Matt, you have the next pick on behalf of the Orlando Magic at 15. Yep, the Magic will be taking Kira Lewis. Um, you know, Lewis, all the scouting report on him shows his speed, and I think his speed will fit in really well with the Magic's length. Um, I also could see him pairing really well with Markel Fultz 
to form a good backcourt there as you know they focused on their front court or uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry they um i got those two switched around so you know they have jonathan isaac and mo bambas so they have that kind of secured in my mind so i think pairing him with markel fultz who you know as sixers fans we know well but he fultz is emerging well there um I think pairing them together could be their future going forward. Yeah, that would be a, a dangerous backcourt if they both develop. And Fultz, man, watch out for him in the next couple of years. All right, with 16, we got the Portland Trail Blazers. Justin, who are you taking? The Portland Trail Blazers select Patrick Williams out of Florida State. He's 6'8", good 3 and D wing, has a lot of energy, high motor, good defender, 6'11", wingspan, weak side, a uh, good weak side block, shot blocker can really surprisingly make some plays out of the pick and roll. Uh, can shoot the mid range a little bit as kind of a shaky form, but I feel like with already his tools already, and especially winning six man of the year in the ACC last year, going to Portland with a place where it has a culture. I know people like that word a lot, and some of, some teams do have a one set in place, one with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Terry Stotts and the veterans they have up there, I feel like that would be a great pick for them for next year because he could come out off the bench and then for years to come. And the Minnesota Timberwolves, they have a couple of picks in the first round. At number 17, Lucas, who are you picking for the Timberwolves? So the Timberwolves get um, Onyeki Okongwu. I'm honestly surprised he slid this far in this draft. He's uh, in most mock drafts. He's projected to be a top five, top eight player. He's been compared to a Bam Adebayo defensively, offensively. He's you know your traditional like gets offensive rebounds, attacks the rim on the pick and roll. But you know he would be a perfect complement to you know make up for Carl Anthony Towns' weak defensive interior defense, and he can play either the four or the five. So really doesn't matter you know, labels-wise, because he'll defend either position. He's good size. I like his fit. And, you know, overall, I think it's just a steal at this point. He's the best available player right now at, at this point in the draft. So you've got to take a, a Kongu with, with this 17th pick. And with the 18th pick, the Dallas Mavericks are going to be picking who, Justin? The Dallas Mavericks are going to select Josh Green out of Arizona, 6'5". Mainly was a slasher, defender, spot-up shooter, and that's basically all the Mavericks need, especially at this point in the draft, to surround Luka and Kristaps. And I think and he's a pretty good athlete and is engaged on defense, so I think he'll work out pretty well for them. And Justin, don't go anywhere because you're picking for Brooklyn next at number 19. The Brooklyn Nets are going to select, I mean, not Butcher's name, probably. Precious Achua, I believe, is how you pronounce it. He's from Memphis, 6'9", has a lot of energy, can really play like a small ball style If whenever they would like to go like with that, especially with KD, Kyrie, Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, or if they trade one of them, they have a plethora of creators and ball handlers. And he can improve. He just needs to improve certain turnovers and, having certain amount of tunnel vision when trying to get his own shot when he would face up. All right, great stuff. And Lucas, you have the next pick at 20, and you're picking for the Miami Heat. So Miami takes uh, one of the, who I think is going to be one of the best big men in this draft in a couple of years, and that's Jalen Smith. He's a physical, he, he's already built like an NBA player. 
He's really talented as a perimeter player. You know, he can dribble a little bit. He definitely has an outside shot. So he can, in, in good defensive interior play, so he's a perfect complement to go next to Bam Adebayo. I think they could be the front court of the future for Miami. And I think with his ability to stretch the floor, that's that's a one-two punch that other teams would not want to be a part of. And I think Smith is the perfect fit there. Okay. And with the 21st pick in the draft for our beloved 76ers, this pick goes to none other than Chris. Yeah, so this this might get some eye rolls from some of the listeners just because it's not really what anyone wants or expects Philly to do. But my pick for them is Alexei Pokushevsky. Spent last season in Greece. He's kind of an unknown. His his arc as a prospect has been compared very loosely to Giannis. That's not to say he's going to be Giannis. He's not Giannis at all, really, in terms of how he plays. But he's basically been playing against high school-level competition in Greece, in Greece, mostly off the radar. But... He's a seven-footer who moves and shoots like a wing, really fluid jumper, can attack off the dribble, has some really beautiful finishes around the rim, can play in the open court really well. Obviously, a lot of defensive potential for anyone with his size, length, mobility. He's not going to be in the NBA next year. I would doubt it. Maybe not even in a year or two, but just long-term, he might have more star upside than anyone else in this class. He's the best prospect on the board left for me. And I think if you're Philly, you can afford to take a swing. This might not be someone who contributes next year. I know you're trying to win, but there are other avenues to get pieces who can contribute. I, I think Pokusevsky is the pick here. All right. Thanks, Chris. And for the next pick, at number 22 for the Denver Nuggets, we have Lucas. Yeah, so with, the, with this pick, the Nuggets are going to go for Desmond Bain. Uh, Bain is a three and D, uh, three point specialist for sure. Three, a three and D, uh, wing. And that's what the Nuggets need. They're kind of short on perimeter shooting right now outside of Will Barton. Gary Harris has regressed as three point shooter. So, um, they need more shooting. And I think Desmond Bain definitely brings that to them at the shooting guard, or he might be able to play small forward, but definitely shooting guard position. All right, thanks, Lucas. And at 23, Adam is picking on behalf of the Utah Jazz. Go, Adam. Yeah, so the Utah Jazz are going to go ahead and take take Jaden McDaniels. Um, he's out of Washington. He's a little bit of a project for the Jazz to take, um, but I think he's a great lanky scorer. He's a good shot taker and maker, averaged 13 points a game and six rebounds last year, and he's he could develop into this sort of positionless player. Um, that runs the floor well, and as I said, he's just going to continue to develop that perimeter game. He's he's a great shot taker and, and maker. Um, so if you watch some of his games at Washington, there's there's a lot of instances where he makes um, plays that feel like they'd be really tough, look kind of effortless. Um, and I think he does definitely need to grow physically, um, but he'll have an opportunity to do that once he gets to the league. Um, and his NBA like now comparisons could range from anyone from like Jonathan Isaac, because um, he's got the height to to be that kind of player, to maybe even Brandon Ingram, um, who's like a lanky perimeter shooter. Um, so his ceiling is is pretty high, but I think there's also a chance that he could just be a bust, that he might never pan out in Utah. Um, but I think this late in the draft, he's the guy you got to go with if you're the Jazz because of what he could develop into. 
All right. Thanks, Adam. And with the 24th pick in the draft for the Milwaukee Bucks, who are you taking, Chris? Yeah, so the Bucks are going to take Tyrell Terry out of Stanford. To me, he's a lottery talent, and I, I don't expect him to fall this far on draft night. But one of the best shooters in the draft, flat out, you know, running around screens, pulling up, catch and shoot, doesn't matter. He's give him enough space, and he's probably going to knock it down. Um, but he also has some point guard skills, which obviously Milwaukee would value. He could grow into those once they finally and inevitably move on from Eric Bledsoe. So he's really the perfect prospect here for Milwaukee, and he, if, he, if he is somehow available, I don't see the Bucks not taking him. And with the 25th pick, OKC, Oklahoma City, Jonathan, who are they taking? Uh, the Thunder are going to go with Vernon Carey Jr. They clearly are moving on from competing now. They're in rebuild mode. Uh, Billy Donovan left. Uh, Schroeder's gone, as we were saying in the beginning, and I think they're looking for Chris Paul trade. So the next that comes to mind has got to be Steven Adams. Even if he's not on his way out, I think uh, Vernon Carey and Steven could play really well together. Um, I just think his game translates well to the uh, to the NBA. He was dominant on the glass and offensive game in college, and I, I think that he would help play with uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander as the future there. And Jonathan, you also have the next pick, but you are picking this time on behalf of Boston. This is their second pick in the first round. Who are the Celtics taking, Jonathan? The Celtics are going to take Trey Jones with the 26th pick. I picked uh, Cole Anthony with them earlier, but I think they're really looking for a backup point guard. Uh, Terry Rozier left, obviously, uh, two years ago, and they have they need some depth behind Kemba. I think, as we've talked about before, the Celtics aren't keeping all their picks in their dra- this draft. They have three in the first round, and pro- I think three or four in the second, so... They will probably make some moves, but if not, I think they got to go hit or miss and try and get a, a good backup to Kemba. Okay, with another pick in the first round, we have the New York Knicks. Justin, who are the Knicks taking? The New York Knicks are going to select Xavier Tillman Sr. out of Michigan State. Another older player by NBA standards since guys come out, you know, first and second year. He's 21, but he's 6'8", has a 7'1 wingspan, about 250. He's very good down low, can take contact, can take contact, move through um move through people, carve out some space as good pick and roll player. So he'll he could dive the rim as a veteran's feel. But one of his um downside is that he's a big man at only six eight, where it may be an issue and the lack of explosiveness around the around the rim is where some NBA athletes could swallow him up. And with the 28th pick in the draft, we have the NBA champions, Los Angeles Lakers. Chris, who are the Lakers taking? So the Lakers are going to take Theo Maladon, a French point guard who is playing right now for the team that is owned by Tony Parker. So he has that mentorship under his belt. That's something I'm sure a lot of NBA front offices would look at it and, 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 and like about his background. And just skill-wise, even with Schroeder coming over, I think the Lakers still need a point guard. Though this pick probably is going to OKC at this point due to that shooter trade, but I think Maladon would fit just as well there. He's really a guy who can slide into just about any any system, and he's the best player on the board for me, so he'd probably be the guy I'd pick for OKC too. A good shooter, really smart, smooth, measured, poised playmaker in the pick and roll, and has great physical tools. 6'4 with a long wingspan, there, there's just a lot to like there. 
Okay, and number 29, the 29th pick in the draft goes to Toronto. And with that pick, we go to Adam. Yeah, the Raptors are going to go ahead and select Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Um, This was more of like a thinking about the team kind of pick because I know here in Philly, Kyle Lowry is near and dear to our hearts being a Nova guy. Um, but he only continues to get older up there in Toronto. Um, so it feels like that they'd want to try and draft the the next guy who's going to come after him for that franchise. Um, and, and Winston fits the bill. Um, he was the absolute leader of a Michigan State team that was poised to make a huge run in the tournament before it was canceled. Um, and he honestly kind of reminds me of a Kyle Lowry type player. Um, he's a good shooter. He's going to play tough. Um, is not afraid of the moment and absolutely wears his heart on his sleeve when he plays. He'd be a great culture fit there. Um, and you just kind of have a feeling that he's the kind of high character guy that's going to work at his game and improve. So Winston to Toronto. All right. Thanks, Adam. And with the final pick in the first round, the Boston Celtics, their pick is going to Jonathan. Who are they taking? Boston Celtics are going to close out the first round with Daniel Otoro. Another weakness that Boston has is their big man. I think Tyson Cantor can somewhat get the job done, but there's some big bodies in the East and obviously across all the uh, teams in the NBA. So I think having a 6'10", 240 big man center that can come off, add some fouls to the game, also play some good defense, he gets a double-double almost every night. I think that can translate to the NBA as well. So I think Boston adds more depth at the center position. All right, and with that, that is the first round of the NBA draft for the 2020-2021 season. We'll see how it all shapes out, gentlemen. I think we had some good analysis, and I think all the listeners will appreciate your research and your hard work. So, guys, uh, now that we got the first round done, looking back, because we've been doing this mock draft offline for a couple weeks now, Looking back at the first round, was there any of your picks that you look back now and say, well, that's probably changed based off of the information coming out? Yeah, it's not one of my picks, but um, one of Lucas's picks, um, Okongwu, he's, there's no chance he slides all the way to 17. Um, you know, as Lucas said, he's a top 10 pick, if not top 5 pick in this draft, in my, in my mind. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think if Charlotte can't get Wiseman, uh, before then, there's a good chance that they go for a Kongu. Uh, because I don't think that they like LaMelo Ball next to Devontae Graham and or Terry Rozier. So I think, yeah, I think Kongu could possibly go as high as third and probably no lower than uh, seventh, to be honest. I don't think he gets past Detroit if he's there. Yeah, and but, just for my picks, again, like Tyrell Terry, I really don't think he's going to get to Milwaukee at 24. There's some variance with where he is in different mock drafts. I think Sam Vicini over at the Athletics still has him like at 31. But ESPN and others seem to have him trending towards the top 20. He'd be a perfect fit in Philly at 21. So I, I really just think with where the game is going, with his shooting ability and his point guard skills, even if he is a little bit undersized at six foot three, and there's some concerns about his athletic profile, I, I think he's probably going to go much higher than 24 on, on draft night. Yeah, I agree there. I, you know, I heard that, you know, Ball might actually, the Pistons really like Ball, so he could actually end up, if the Pistons trade up into the top, like, uh, they, you know, they could trade up to number one technically, I guess, if they really wanted to, but they want Ball. I know that. 
And then um, the other thing is I know the Timberwolves really like Tyrese Halliburton. So mm-hmm. uh, Tyler, not Tyler, uh, Tyler Halliburton, not Tyrese, but yeah, they really like Tyler Halliburton. So they could very much aim for him. If they could, they have the ammunition to trade up to get another lot you know, top lottery, like top 10 lottery picks. So they could try, try for Halliburton there too. I just think this draft, like if you're at the top of this draft, I think you should trade back. That's just mm-hmm. been my opinion with it. There's nobody at the top that I'm like, that's the home run hit. Um, mm-hmm. Like there are in previous drafts. I think the real value is going to come in that like end of the lottery through the end of the first round range where there are a couple guys who are probably going to be real good impact players. And maybe LaMelo or Edwards or someone like that is is really good and is like a Don- and maybe Edwards is like a Donovan Mitchell type, but – I just think there's no way to know for sure. This is going to be really interesting come Wednesday. I, it could shake out just about any way, <laughs> which will be fun. I think Atlanta's going to trade their pick. I think they're looking for a veteran. I think Atlanta's going to trade their pick. I wouldn't be surprised Golden State does. Anybody could trade really at this point, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're right that the top of this draft is not great, but I would say the range where you could get a really like sneaky good player would be between six and like. 20. I think that's where you're going to get like those surprise, like, you know, oh, 13th pick was actually the best pick in this draft type thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's where I see it. I think we have a lot of underrated point guards in this draft, too. But I think that's, uh, I think we're, unless anybody wanted to add anything else, I think we're going to wrap it up here for our draft portion of this uh, podcast. Yeah, just one last thing. I feel like Killian Hayes is a real sleeper to go number one. I feel like the Timberwolves, if they stay there, would like the fit with Russell and Towns instead of the high upside in the mellow ball. But who knows if they're even going to stay there. I don't know if he's going to go number one, but I definitely think he's someone they should consider. Because, again, Hayes is 1B to the mellow's 1A for me. He's just a really solid all-around prospect. And in a draft without a ton of solid all-around prospects who can do all the things that Hayes can do, I think he has a real chance to be the best player that comes off of this, out of this class. So I definitely think he's someone the Wolves should look at, even if they probably won't. You know, I've been seeing in some mock drafts that Kerry Lewis Jr. is in a, as a top 10 pick. What are you guys' thoughts? 100% should be. You think he should be? Yeah. yeah, I, I think so. He's been getting a lot of attention lately. You know, all the reports saying he's going out to camps and, and practicing for them, and everybody's blown away by him. So I, I think he should be top 10 pick as well. Yeah. I think uh, he's interesting. Number... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think he's number seven on my board. I think Detroit, New York, even Washington with, with John Wall's uncertainty, I think all those teams would be very much justified in taking him. Yeah, I was I was torn between Lewis and Maxi. I just thought of who can play the off ball better, and I thought ooh, next to Devin Booker, and that's why I chose Maxi over Lewis there. But uh, yeah, no, Lewis could definitely be a lottery pick. I don't think he's going to be available for the Sixers anymore. But it is interesting because I just I we published earlier this evening. Uh, uh, Cole Anthony has had contact with the Sixers, so. That could be a possibility there, guys, if he slips. And I know Chris wrote about in the past how the Sixers have the ammo to trade up in this draft to get him if he's near the end of the lottery. So we'll see what happens for sure. Yeah. 
Do you guys I, like him? Do you like like him for the Sixers? I just am weary really. with him. I'm weary sure. with Cole Anthony. I, I, I'm kind of weird. I think I think I'm a little weary too, but we'll have to wait and see. I think he has a and, chip on his shoulder, which is good. But I think he started out as a sixth man for the team. Yeah, I think he'd be good for the team. I mean, like you said, off the bench, something like that. But I think he's dropping way too fast, and I think that people are just getting in their heads. I think he's still in a great talent and can score the ball at will. Yeah, I mean, I th- and he was top five going into the year. I think the injuries really hurt him. He obviously wasn't that great at North Carolina, but I think injuries factored into that. And just talent-wise, I think he's too – too. he shouldn't be dropping as far as he is on, mo- on most boards. But uh, before we move on here, guys, does everyone want to just tell the listeners where they can, you know, follow you on Twitter? We'll, we'll go to Adam first and go down the list here. Yeah, you can um, follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore Gib, I think. Actually, let me double check that and say it again. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore Gib, G-I-B 11. All right, and Jonathan, I, I don't think you have social media, but if you have anything to say, you know, let it rip. Yeah, I mean, I don't have Twitter, but you can find my stuff on Six or Sense at Jonathan Gib and I put it up on Instagram sometimes too for and it's on Jonathan Jonathan Gib as well if it was searched, but that's about it. All right. And then Justin. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore J D Virgilio. That's D I V I R G I L I O. And yeah, people spell it wrong all the time, but if you can <laughs> get it right off the first time. I'd be. I would welcome you as a follower and follow you back. Sweet and Matt. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Plesco, um, P L E S C O. All right. Um, thanks again, everyone, for coming on the pod. We really do appreciate it, and I, I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this mock. So, we we'll hope to have all of you back on in the future at some point, hopefully for more draft stuff. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. See you guys later. Great. See y'all later. So, guys, we just did the first uh, first round uh, roundtable mock draft with all of our contributors. Uh, now, me and Chris are going to get into more detailed stuff in the second part of this 50th episode of our podcast. Welcome to season three of our podcast. And we're going to just start out with a 21st pick. So, Chris, go ahead. Take it away. Yeah. So, this is basically our NBA draft megapod. This is one that I've been waiting for. You know, the draft is something I enjoy quite a bit. It's one of my favorite things about covering the NBA. Um, I just released my big board at the site. I would, I would hope that everyone goes and checks it out. I, I, I think it, hopefully it's worth your time. And like Lucas said, we're going to focus more on the Sixers and their specific needs, wants, possibilities in this draft. And we're going to start with the 21st overall pick, which of course Philly got from OKC. It is conveying via the Markel Fulch trade. So thank you, Markel. Um, what we're going to do here, basically, is I'm going to have you, Lucas, give five names, five prospects that you like. And then I'll go ahead and give a f- five different names, just so we cover a lot of bases, a lot of guys who could potentially be in that range that Philly should look at. And I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you go first, Lucas. So my number one guy, Chris, you already know who this is probably going to be, is Terry, uh, Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry, like you said, and the... Um, at the end portion of our mock draft is the ideal fit for the Sixers here. I think that he's going to, he's 
perfect plug-in guy he could start or come off the bench. I think he'd probably be based off of uh, other moves this season. We'll determine that, but I think he's definitely going to be a big contributor for the Sixers right away. Despite his lack of, uh, you know, overall strength and weight that he has on his body right now, though I think I did hear that he was adding some muscle recently, so that's a positive. So I like Tyrell Terry for his shooting and his playmaking abilities. Another player that I really like here is, I don't know if he'll drop this far, but there's always a chance with this type of drop. You got Cole Anthony. Uh, he's not, I think he would have to be coming off the bench for me right now until his, his shot selection gets a little bit better and his ability to just be more consistent as a you know shooter gets better. But I think under Doc Rivers, that's going to be just fine. Uh, another guy I like here is Josh Green. He's just a freak athlete. He's probably one of the best athletes in the draft here. He can he can develop into that. He's not a terrible three-point shooter right now. can develop even better. And I think he's just a solid athlete that would fit into the type of team that um, – he's the type of player that both Daryl Morey and Elton Brand would like. And then another guy uh, – this guy's a big, actually. I like him. I like Jalen Smith. If we go big, if we go with a big man in this first round, I like Jalen Big. He can play the four or the five. He can stretch the floor. He's good interior defender. I think he'd be a perfect backup for Embiid in the long term, and he can stretch the floor for both Embiid and Simmons, so he could play along them no problem. So that's why I like him. And then my final guy is probably going to have to be Desmond Bain. He's a high-volume three-point shooter at the wing position, and Sixers need it. So that he just fills the need there. So I, that's why I like him. So those are my five guys. Chris, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think those are all, all really solid names. Again, with Terry, I, I think if he's at 21, he probably has to be the pick. I don't mm-hmm. know who else might fall. If you know someone like Vassell or Lewis somehow falls, then we can – talk it over um mm-hmm. on my board i have pokusevsky 10 and terry 11th i know i just picked poku in the mock over terry that would be a tough one for me i i think if i were doing that pick now i might lean terry just because it would be nice for the sixers to have a shooter who they can actually use within mm-hmm. the next two or three seasons but I, I do really like poku so i'm gonna make him my first name uh from my list. I, I, I truly think he might have the highest ceiling in this class. Now, whether or not he's able to reach that ceiling is a pretty sizable question mark. He might not even ever make it to the league. He's a big home run swing that could very well whiff. But if he does hit, he's not Giannis. But he is a seven-footer who can move like a guard, who can shoot like a guard, running around screens on the move. He has some really nice passing skills. There's a whole lot to like there. Again, he hasn't played against pretty much anyone of note. He's playing basically high schoolers in Greece, a la Giannis. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. But in terms of just raw upside and physical potential and skill potential, I like Poku quite a bit. And I think if he's there at 21, he's someone the Sixers should most definitely consider. Um, my next name is going to be Nico Mannion out of Arizona guy who's been falling down quite a few draft boards. He might even make it to the Sixers pick in the second round uh, at 34 or 36. But he's a name to watch. He entered the season almost universally in the top 10 on most everyone's boards. Um, A five-star recruit. (sighs) Showed some very, 
I mean, I, I think they're mostly expected concerns. As a finisher, he's not a great athlete, doesn't have the best first step. But for what the Sixers need, he's a, one of the smartest passers on the board. He can space the floor. I think Philly has the personnel to make up for his lack of explosiveness off the dribble. I think he's just talent-wise someone you, you, you have to consider there. And my third name is going to be Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas. Another guy who might be available in the second round. They're going to get into some rumors around Joe later in the pod. But he's one of the best shooters on the board. And as we all know, the Sixers very much need shooters. Um, Joe attempted over 10 threes a game last season at Arkansas. It was shortened a bit his season by injuries. But when he's on the floor, he's a gunner. And he, he can hit those shots at both a high volume and with high efficiency. And if, he, if he's able to be healthy and on the floor, I think he's someone who could help Philly right away. My fourth name is going to be Theo Maladon, someone I touched on briefly with the Lakers pick in the mock. Uh, another guy who just really has a skill set the Sixers can use, a long, nimble, versatile point guard who can easily share the floor with someone like Ben Simmons, Shake Milton, etc. Shoots the ball well enough, really poised and, and smart in the pick and roll, plays with a great sense of pace, and can change directions very smoothly, very fluidly. Uh, which helps him make up for a lack of explosive athleticism. And just a really smart all-around point guard who has played some pretty solid minutes overseas, so I think the Sixers should look at. And my fifth and final name, it's it's tough to... It, it, it says something about this draft that we're saying 10 names for this mm-hmm. one pick, and we're not even sure if we're really encompassing the, the entirety of the options. I think that pretty well mm-hmm. illustrates how wide open this draft is. But I'm going to say Cassius Winston out of Michigan State. Just a really likable player, really tough-nosed, hard. He's going to win. He's a winner. He fights hard on defense. He plays hard on offense. He's a really confident shooter, a big-time shot maker down the stretch, and a lot of games for Michigan State really carried that team offensively. Also very smart and unselfish. Um, I think it was Adam who compared him to Kyle Lowry when he made the pick on our mock. And I think that is, while a very high-end outcome for him, I, I think it's in terms of style and, and personality, I think it's a really solid comparison. He, he's that kind of dude. So I, I do think Philly fans would love him quite a bit, and I think he could very well contribute next season. So I, I think Winston is going to be my number five. So I, I like most of your picks, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about Pokashevsky here for a second and, and the 21st pick. So we originally got the 21st pick when we traded when the Sixers traded Jeremy Grant for European stretch big Irson Eliasova. Then we traded the pick to Orlando when we when we got the 25th pick to get a Zanch. Uh, Oh, exactly. Thank you. I could. I was going to murder his name if I would have actually tried. Um, and then we got it back in the Markel trade. So you're. So this pick could literally be transferred through three different quote unquote stretch big men from Europe. Um, I. I'm just. It's perfect. I'm. I'm. I'm just. It has been I, ordained you know, by God. It's been ordained. Well, here's my only issue. Where would he fit in with Ben and Joe? Well, in three years, it might not matter. Um, it might not, but, but I'm again, just, I'm sick. He's a great shooter. You put him at, I, I, I think well, anyone you can shoot three? and move as versatilely as he, he does, 
Yeah, well, you... Ben, ben defends the perimeter anyways. Joel defends centers. You can have Poku as a weak side room protector guarding fours, hypothetically. I, I definitely think they could fit. I think he moves his feet well enough to defend in space uh, once he bulks up his frame, ideally. And offensively, he, he's just a really talented shooter who can play in the open court really well. Long strides, I think that would look really nice next to Ben. And he, he has some playmaking chops himself, which, again, at seven foot is pretty wild. So I, I, I think the fit you... there is actually really solid if he does pan out. Okay, okay. So you're, you, I, I know what's happening here, Chris. You just, you miss having the Daria Watts and you want to have another European big man. That's what's yes, going on. Exactly. It has that's to happen. Exactly. It has to happen. That's, and that's, hey, that's look, the whole entire Philly has four <laughs> second round picks, which we're about to talk about. You mm-hmm. can trade up for another first round pick, I'm assuming, pretty easily. So oh, yeah. if you really mm-hmm. like Poku and you really like, you know, Tyrell Terry, Cole Anthony, Desmond Bain, whoever, you can probably get both of them if you want to. So I, so, I do think Poku is worth considering. So, Lucas, I got to come to your aid here, buddy. I've been sitting here listening. I will say, Chris, you did have a lot of Euro players in that in that, <laughs> in that mock draft, man. A lot of them from France. You had the, the Greek kid. Man, you like, you like those Euro players, man. Good for you. Hey, there's just some solid international prospects, I think, in the, in the first round conversation this year. Hey, if, the, if the Sixers could get a Luka Doncic, oh, man, that would be so sweet. That would be so sweet. I don't think we have a Luka in this draft. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, that That's a high high expectation to place on anyone. I, I think Luka's kind of a one-off. I, I don't know if we're going to get many more of him from anywhere. Uh, but, again, Poku in four years could be the biggest disappointment from this draft, but he could also be the – most exciting player on the board so it, it, it's a definite definite home run swing it's a definite gamble but i think philly at least has to consider it to at least look into the tape and well, talk to them and see what see what they have there well i will say this i've i've heard rumors that he's not getting past 25 with the okay oklahoma city thunder he's not getting past five there yeah the 25 that makes picks. sense he shouldn't again he's number 10 on my board he, he should be a lottery pick but he won't be i've we'll, we'll yeah see. i've heard him go as high as number six or as low as number 25 his yeah. range is ever- he's not going to be number six i i doubt it i don't think any team any gm is that brave but um i think dallas I mean, at 18 would make that would you know you know dallas they they, they like their stretch hit big. the european market pretty hard so i i think that would be a very possible landing spot for him we'll have to see that for sure but uh like you said chris we're about to get into the second rounders here so let me go ahead and take the reins there we're just going to go ahead and jump right straight into it as soon as yep there it is okay so we have four second round picks this year chris pretty, i'm pretty sure that's the same that we had last year right so uh before we enter the draft so we have 34 36 49 and 58 in your opinion, what are the with each one of those picks? Who do you think the Sixers get with those picks? Uh, I think we're going to save who do they, we think they get specifically for later. But in terms of who might be available there, I can probably name names that I just named for twenty one, like Cassius yeah. Winston could very well be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mannion could very well be there. So. A lot of the Isaiah Joe again, yeah, could be promised to pick there for all we know. Another thing we might get into, <laughs> but 
a lot of those guys have very wide draft ranges, very wide, a very wide range of possibilities for a lot of prospects in this draft. Another few names that I'll just throw out there, I think Trey Jones out of Duke, if he gets there, would be really solid value. Uh, Robert Woodard out of Mississippi State is a really promising yes. athlete. Um, Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton, a 3-and-D guard who, who checks a lot of boxes for Philadelphia. Guys like Devon Dotson, who can score in bunches. Jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech can do the same thing. I don't think Malachi Flynn is going to get out of the first round. It doesn't seem like he will at this point. He might be a guy the Sixers consider at 21. He just I couldn't fit him onto the list of names, but I think Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State is a very talented and just high IQ point guard that people should keep an eye on because he, he's a very possible sixer. Um, and a lot of these guys are going to bleed into 36, obviously. I think Xavier Tillman, if they're going to try for a backup big, Xavier Tillman, Jalen Smith, a guy you mentioned, Tyler Bay is more of a small ball four who could be really interesting. There, there are so many possibilities here, but so I'll, I'll let you speak. I'll stop listing names. <laughs> Yeah, so no, Tyler Bay was definitely one of my top options at 34 and 36. I like him as a small ball four. He has potential to become a three-point shooter. Um, not Didn't show quite a lot there in college, but I think he, he has solid form. And then, you know, defensively, he's one of the best w- rebounding wings that I've seen in a long time at the college level. And uh, defensive versatility is a big thing there. Like you said, Nico Mannion. Cassius Winston, I think another guy that we have to pay attention to here. And I'm surprised you didn't mess, mention him because you actually picked him in, uh, for the 36th pick is Killian Tilly. And I oh, think that. Yes, another European stretch big who I would yeah. happily welcome to Philadelphia. Yeah, no, he. Please I think he's. Happen. He's. Yeah. Please, I need it. And this My guy, brand. the next. Yeah, the next guy I'm going to mention, he could fall between 36 and 49. And I think. Emmanuel quickly is a good option. He's a good backup point guard option. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, Robert Woodard, I think he has potential to be a 3 and D guy, physical specimen for sure. And I think Devin Dotson, like you mentioned already, uh, Leandro Bolmero, is that how you pronounce his last mm-hmm. name? He's a, yeah. he's a three-point shooting Brazilian guy. He could. I, I think he's a first-round I think Yeah, I think he might be worth – watching at 21 more than 34 because I don't think he gets mm-hmm. to the second round. Well, you know, if you, the Sixers package 34 with one of their other second round picks, they, mm-hmm. they could they could jump back into the first round. It just depends on how exactly. deep they want to get into the first round. Like, I would I would target that Knicks pick for sure mm-hmm. or the, um, you know, maybe Toronto because I think they only have one pick. Uh, you know, teams like that would definitely be interested, I think. But, um yeah, no. Those are those are the type of guys that I would be looking at for sure. Uh, I know Jamis Ramsey. Is that how you pronounce his first name? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's another point guard. There's just so many point guards in this draft to choose from. But um, I like as a second round point guard, Nico Mannion and Emmanuel Quickly are probably my two favorites off the top of my head. For sure. Uh, yeah. And I, I think we're, we're throwing a lot of names out. Obviously, I think the, the core skills that Philly's going to be looking for here is shooting and playmaking. Mm-hmm. It, depending on who they pick at 21, obviously that will impact who they pick in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. But 
I, I would expect them to take some guards at some point. And I think we had Derek Bodner on the pod a few weeks ago, and he mentioned the fact that if you're planning to move on from Al Horford at some point, you don't really have another backup center behind Joel. Norvell Pell is fun and all, but he's really not much of an answer there long term. So again, someone like Xavier Tillman, who's a first-round type of talent, in my opinion, I think he's someone who can contribute right away. I think he'd be really great value at 34 or 36. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think those are the type of players that you know people should be looking out for. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right that you got if you're gonna get a big man, he has to be able to stretch the floor, I think, and be a good defender, and or be a good defender. Definitely mm-hmm. has to be a good defender, preferably stretches the floor. And then if you're going for a guard, you know, playmaking has to be much and must be able to create his own shot, at least on, you know, the mid-range and getting to the basket, if not three-point mm-hmm. shooting. And I, I just want to speak this into existence because you mentioned Killian Tilly, and I'm mildly upset that I didn't mention him right off the bat because uh, I'm surprised. he's 21 on my board, probably a top-10 prospect if he doesn't have so many injury injuries just looming over him. His injury history is pretty significant. There's probably valid concern that he just doesn't stay on the floor at the next level, which is why he might drop all the way to Philly at 58. Who knows? But I think he's one of the biggest sleepers on this board. Really skilled player just in terms of basketball IQ. Can shoot lights out again at six foot ten. another stretch big, like you said. Played at Gonzaga, which is one of the better programs for, for prospects prospect development in general and he had a very productive four years there even with all the injuries so i think if he's there at 34 36 48 49 pardon me wherever i i think he should be targeted i think he is one of the biggest sleepers i think he could be a top 10 talent out of this class so i'm very much high on him and if he's there in the second round Sixers should jump on it 100 percent. i i'm on that train i I think he'd be a steal there. But speaking of steals, you know, the Sixers have done really well at the end of the drafts the past two years, first with Shake Milton, and then Mario Shayok seems to be a promising young prospect. So who do you think with the 58th pick, what type of players do you expect them to like possibly be a sleeper at that pick? Yeah, it it gets a lot tougher, obviously, towards the end. There's just so much that could happen. So many guys who teams are going to consider some of the guys we mentioned at 36 again could drop. It, there's so much unknown about this class. One guy I really like is Abdelay Nadoy. I hope I didn't butcher his name. The French guard. Uh, he's six seven with something like a seven one seven two wingspan, I think, and he essentially plays point guard. Maybe not the most developed point guard, but there's a lot to like there just on physical tools alone. Um, Tyshawn Alexander, a guy I mentioned again, uh, you know, is an early second round pick. A lot of mocks have him in the 50s. So if he's there or if he's there at 49, I think he should be a pick. Um, You know, Philly could target a few different bigs towards the, you know, the latter half of the draft. I think Udoka Azubuki out of Kansas, just in terms of raw physical tools, he's like a pretty massive 7-1 with a 7-7 wingspan. Uh, I, I don't know how he fits in the modern NBA, but just guys that big don't come around very often. Um, If anyone understands the value of massive, large players on the floor, it's probably Philly. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Cassius, a guy guy I really like who might slip Mm -hmm. 
I, I would, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, I was, you finished about Cassius Can- Stanley, but I got two guys that I, I think up here at number 58. Yeah, Stanley was just a freshman at Duke. I don't think a lot of people expected him to declare for the draft, but again, a guy who will need development, need time to grow into his role, but a very hard-nosed player, a top-tier athlete who can throw down some pretty amazing dunks and pull off some pretty amazing feats on the defensive end. Just a lot of upside with his physical tools and his willingness to do the little things. He cuts, he, he again defends hard, he'll dive on the floor for loose balls. He's a very much he's very much a winning player. And I, I think he's someone who if he does fall would provide quite a bit of upside late in the second round. Okay, I got you. So my two guys, uh, and I think you named off some really good ones, but the two guys that I'm gonna look at here with that like 58th pick is going to be first off is uh marcus howard he played point guard for marquette 511 so he's short but he mm-hmm. averaged 30 points a game i mean you can't teach that so that's somebody that i could see getting you know getting drafted at 58 and being developed in the g league you know on a two-way the other guy that I, is same type of guy he actually didn't even play at college and but he's of NBA pedigree. His dad played in the NBA for a very long time, former number one overall pick. Can you guess who it is? Surprise me. I think I know who it is, but I'm not going to embarrass Kenyon Martin Jr. Yeah. Okay. He didn't play, but, you know, he has the size. He has the pedigree. In a draft like this, I don't think you're going to get butchered if you use the, the 58th pick on a legacy player and see what he can do in the G League. Yeah, I think just in terms of upside, Martin's definitely someone who might get drafted. I think I had him at 60 on my board. Again, just like you said, it's kind of a, a wild card. Um, I, I He played at IMG Academy, which is known for churning out NBA prospects. They have no shortage of, mm-hmm. of pedigree at that program. And again, when your dad was a former top pick, you, you know, teams are probably going to look at you, and that does say something genetically about you know, who you're coming from. I think he has a lot of potential. I don't know if he will deliver on that potential anytime soon, but with like a, a 59th pick, you're probably comfortable putting someone in the G League for a few seasons and see where it goes. So I definitely think he's someone to watch out for. Um, a few names we haven't mentioned Vernon Carey Jr. out of Duke, another big man who might be available in these later picks. I think Grant Riller out of Charleston is a name to watch. One of the oh, best yes. scores in college basketball the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. Didn't play a ton of top-level competition, but the dude can put the ball in the basket, and that in and of itself is a very valuable skill. Um, I like the Marcus Howard note that you gave. I think Nick Richards out of Kentucky is a very interesting prospect. Um, Jordan Nora out of Louisville, another guy to watch. There are so many. We're not going to name everyone. We didn't even name Peyton Pritchard. There could be a guy in the 30s. I was about to say him, yeah. He could be in the first round. Who knows? There's just so much uncertainty with this class. But, yeah. Read my big board. I got 60 names there for you. Um, and You can read about them. Good, good read, guys, for real. So, I think... Uh... I think, Chris, this is this is where you take over here about rumors. Yeah, so we have some very minor rumors about the Sixers 
a name that has been thrown around quite a bit with this team is Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas, who we've already mentioned. A report from Keith Pompey over at the Inquirer made it seem pretty a pretty substantial rumor about him possibly being a Sixer. Um, he talked to one of Joe's trainers who mentioned that the Sixers were in constant contact with Joe. It seems like the kind of rumors that would only get leaked if a team and a prospect were very seriously connected. Um, we don't know if that means the Sixers have promised him at 21. I do know there's been a rumor, let me just say this, I've seen it with San Vicente at the Athletic and other spots I've read that there's a rumor that Philly has promised someone somewhere. They did it with Matisse last year. It's not unlike this team to, to promise a player a pick. So maybe with all the smoke that's going up, it is Isaiah Joe. Maybe he's the player who got promised. Joe pretty famously opted back into playing at college basketball very briefly and then backed out of that and said, no, I'm going to the draft after all. And maybe that's because he got a promise from a team like Philly. Now, whether that promise was at 21 or at 34 or at 36, I do think there seems to be a very high potential that Joe is on the team next year. So, Lucas, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Joe? Do you think there's any, any truth to those rumors? Do you think he's maybe a future Sixer? Well, I trust Keith as a, as a source, so I'm not going to say that Keith has it wrong here. We've had him on the show Twice now, I think. So, yeah, twice. So I trust Keith as a source. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, as somebody to break the news, I mean, not as uh, as somebody to break the news. I'm sure he does his research well. Um, now, Joe, he's a flamethrower. From everything that I've seen and heard, he's a flamethrower. He's a three-point shooter that will let it rip. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I know his three-point percentage wasn't super high this past season, but that was because, what was he averaging? Like, eight attempts a game or something? 10.4. 10.4. So he's not going to be averaging quite that much with the Sixers. He's probably not going to get the minutes to do that. But I expect him to be, assuming that he does actually come to the Sixers, solid fit. It's not a bad fit. I don't know if I would draft him with the 21st pick, but anything's possible with this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like Obi Toppin gets drafted first overall and the Cavaliers trade up. You know what I mean? Like anything's possible. So. Who knows? Or the next trade-up. Who knows? But I will say that that, that wouldn't be a surprise for me if Joe, Isaiah Joe's on the team. Yeah. I, I mean, think he's a good fit. I think he's very po- there's a very strong argument to be made that he's the best shooter on the board, period. He shot only 34.6%, I think, last season, but he shot well over 40% as a freshman on, like, nine attempts a game. So the sample size is fairly large. We, we know that he can knock down shots. And I think he'd be a fine pick at 21, but with all the injuries that are, are kind of hanging over his head, I, I do think it's more likely that he's the guy at 34 or 36. And, yeah, I think that'd be great value. I think the Sixers would be hitting very close to a home run. And another guy who was, you talked about earlier who has been mentioned in connection with the Sixers is Cole Anthony. Like you said, I have written in the past about them maybe wanting to trade up for Anthony. That may be being the best possible outcome in this draft. I don't know if that would be my stance now, but it's also possible now that he's available at 21. His stock has been falling pretty rapidly of late. Uh, injuries, again, factor into that. He was not very healthy at all in his one season at UNC, and that very clearly impacted his production. It was very clear watching him 
at certain parts in the season that he just wasn't at 100%. But a former five-star prospect, the son of an NBA player, and Greg Anthony, so another guy with, you know, bloodline in the league and that kind of pedigree that comes along with that. What would you think about Cole Anthony at number 21, Lucas? It depends on who's still available. If Tyrell Terry's on the board, I'm taking Terry over over Anthony any day. Um, it just depends on who's available. Um, but he is he's not a bad option for 21. I think at that point, you know, you look at his, his field goal percentage, which isn't great, but at the same time, he was literally the only person creating like a lot of offense for the for the Tar Heels last season. So, and he was injured, like you said. So his mm-hmm. percentages were going to get good because of that. But I think you know you look at his three point percentage, thirty four, considering that the type of volume yeah. that he was shooting at. I think that's not bad considering the injuries and everything. So, and he impacted other areas. Like you know, you don't expect a guy his size to get like. What was it like? Five rebounds a game, four uh, four assists is a little low, but you don't need him to be a primary playmaker with a guy like Ben Simmons. So, mm-hmm. is it the perfect fit? No, but it is a solid fit. And like I said in the mock draft or after the mock draft, I think he was a. I think he would be a solid sixth man for the Sixers uh, to start his career off with, so he can be slowly brought along. I wouldn't start him though. I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, start him off I- the back. You said something really smart after the mock, which is that essentially there's a very good chance that the best prospect in this draft isn't the guy who gets picked number one. I like Lamella Ball a lot. I think there's a very mm-hmm. good chance that he is the best prospect and that he will probably get picked number one, regardless of who's there. <laughs> but he's not a perfect prospect by any stretch. And Cole Anthony, mm-hmm. I've had him in the top five for a while. I dropped him to number 12 on my latest big board. I just... I weighed certain guys against others, and I, I, I kind of I, I, I cooled off on him a little bit. But still, he's a lottery talent for sure in my book. If he's there at 21, I definitely think he has to be considered. I think he's in the same tier as guys like Terry and Poku and other names we've mentioned. Um, and like you said, he's not a perfect fit. He's not the best playmaker, creator for others. He's, he's much more of a, a, a scorer and a bit of a black hole scorer at times, but the dude can shoot. I think his three-point shooting is much better than what the percentages at UNC would indicate. Mm-hmm. The guy has real talent for putting the ball in the hole. And with the Sixers, you need guys who can dribble and score and create off the bounce and give you some kick in the half court. That's really their primary need right now. You put Cole Anthony in a bunch of pick and rolls. He might not be creating out of those pick and rolls like you want, but he'll score the basketball. He's someone who Doc Rivers, who is a very strong track record with score first guards. He's someone who Doc could take advantage of, I think. So if he's there at 21, and I, I definitely think he would be a great pick. I, I would say he's probably top three on my list of just, like, possible very, like, it's him, Poku, and Terry for me are, like, the three mm-hmm. best possible outcomes at 21 that have a very real chance of happening. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be all for it, 100%. So, you know what I just thought of as a good comparison for him? Uh, post-injury meant, like, the last, like, two or three seasons of Derrick Rose. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. what I think he is, is he's going to be. Which, Derrick Rose is not the, you know, former MVP all-star that he was, but he is definitely a really good point guard still at, like, after all these injuries. And he's probably, what, Derrick Rose, what, like, 30-31 right now? So, 
Like yeah. if you can get that type of production from Cole at 21, that's a steal. And I think that like Derek Rose, like kind of is like, that's like, he's not a great three point shooter, but he's, he's respectable. And like, he's not going to create for others. Like, you know, you would want him to, but he can create, especially, uh, you know, I definitely, like I said, I, I like it, but it's just not my pre- preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's, that's an option. Um, all right. So we're just going to jump into some meaningless predictions. If you had to guess, Chris, who do you have at 21, 34 and 36 for the Sixers? All right. So there's really no guarantee that Philly keeps any of these picks, which is again, Mm -hmm. worth mentioning. But if I had to pick three guys who I think are going to be wearing Sixers, red, white, and blue, when the 2021 season starts on December 22nd or whenever the Sixers first play. I'm going to say it's going to be Cole Anthony at 21. It's going to be Isaiah Joe at 34, going off of just who we've talked with. And I think at 36, it's going to be Xavier Tillman out of Michigan State. Those are my three mm. guys. Okay. Um, I think we're both going to agree on 34 with Isaiah Joe, but I'm going to go differently here with 21 and 36. So 21, I'm uh, Mr. Optimistic here. I think uh, Tyrell Terry still going to be there, and I think the Sixers nab him there. And then with 36th pick, I'm going to go with Killian Tilly instead of Tillman because one of us has to go for a European big man, so that's going to have to be <laughs> me this time. And I know I, he's your favorite. Yeah, I think Tilly is very possibly going to be available at 49 and maybe even 58. So I, I definitely think he could be the Sixers pick later on in the second round. You think he's going to drop that far? A lot of mocks by you know, the plugged-in people at ESPN and the Athletics seem to have him like, hovering around the 50s, which is crazy to me, and I, I don't if I were a GM, I would be very much in favor of taking him at 36, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like – it seems like teams are obviously very worried about his health, and justifiably, they probably know more about that than we do and probably have a bigger picture of that, so maybe we should be more concerned. But if he is healthy, again, I think Tilly's a lottery talent, so if he was the pick at 36, I'd be ec- ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right, and we're going to move. I think in. we. Yep. We're going to move on and give our top five overall now, Lucas. Just general, every prospect is on the board. Who are your top five? And I'll give my top five after that. We'll compare, contrast, argue a bit. I'm sure. So take it away. So my number one is Lamelo Ball. I think we both agree that he's the top, the player with the highest ceiling. Period. Um, now, after that, I think we get a little bit uh, torn here. Uh, I think my number two guy that I know for, I think this is my safe, I know what he's going to be type guy is going to have to be Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, I, no. I just, I, yeah, well, I think he has a very high floor, and I think his ceiling is going to be, is not as low as everybody thinks it's going to be. I think, yeah. He's at least a above average starter in the NBA. And I think his, you know, he's he could potentially be an all NBA. Cause I see him kind of like Kyle Lowry of this draft. I think he can he I mean I know we compared to other players to Kyle Lowry in this draft, but I definitely see Tyrese Halburn being that complete guard. 
you know, maybe not super yeah. athletic, but he can do a little bit of everything. So that's that's where I have him number two. My number like three it. is uh, Killian Hayes. Um, I know you're high on him. A lot of people are high on him. I haven't seen too much tape on him, but based off of the analysis that I've read, I mean, he's he's a lot of people's number one or number two. And, I mean, he it seems like he has a complete package outside of that three-point shot, which I think can translate. Um, my number four is uh, going to be Patrick Williams, and I think I'm betting on upside. I, well, you know, a lot of mock drafts have him like in the it. top ten now. Yeah, no, I He I like has it. all the phys- physical – yeah, he has all the physical tools, and uh, – I've seen him go as high as number five in some uh, number six in some mock drafts. I don't think he gets past uh, the Knicks, to be honest with you, depending on which guards were taken. But I think, um, I think Patrick Williams. Now, I think he also has the biggest ability to be a bust in the NBA too. Let me be clear on that. But I think, in terms of you know just potential there. Um, and then number five, I'm. It's so tough because like I'm torn between like two guys right here. I'm torn between Edwards and uh, Obi, and I, I think I don't know. There's just something about Edwards that I'm not like a hundred percent sold on, and I know what I'm getting mm-hmm. with Toppin. So I'm gonna go with well, at least offensively. Defensively, he might not be great, but offensively, he's gonna be solid right away and like i'm not completely like sold on edwards jumper so i'm gonna go with Toppin here as my number five all right i i figure you to be a james wiseman guy he seems like a kind of prospect you know i do like me a big man but at the same time i haven't seen enough from him and his ceiling his floor can be really low he could be a backup big Mm -hmm. in this league like that's his ceiling his floor can be low and his ceiling Especially if he goes to the Warriors, like they're not going to use him. They're not going to use him offensively, not to the point where you know he would be justified going number two. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they could probably get a decent like for what they would use him for. They could get a, a guy either with mid level or like a minimum contract to do very similar things. That probably at a halfway at the similar level. So uh, yeah, I think Wiseman. One of many hit, hit or miss guys in this draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are what are your top five? I'm curious to see if we yeah. if we were My, on the same page here. Um, we we might not have as much to argue about as I thought we would. Um, my okay. top three, the same guys in a slightly different order. I have Lamella Ball number one, Killian Hayes number two. He's basically again, as I've said multiple times on this very episode, he's like the one B to Lamella's one A. I think Lamelo has a higher ceiling, but I think Hayes is a more complete player right now, and he could very well be the best prospect on this board. So mm. I like him quite a bit. I have Halliburton at number three for the same reasons you have him at number two. I think he's a very high floor. And we've talked about taking swings for the fences in a draft with a lot of uncertainty, but there's also something to be said for someone who might be the surest thing possible in this draft. No one's really a, a, a you know a sure thing. But Halliburton's about as close as we're going to get. Maybe doesn't have the star ceiling as some other guys. Doesn't have much of a pull-up jumper to speak of just because his mechanics are so weird. But he has deep range on his spot-up threes. One of the smartest playmakers in the draft. 
great size and length for for a point guard slash shooting guard, mm-hmm. and just again a very cerebral, hardworking, high character guy who I think is going to do a lot of good for whoever takes him. I, I hope he ends up mm-hmm. on a contender because I think he can give really good minutes to a contending team right away. Um, my number four is Denny Avdia from Maccabi Tel Aviv, playing over in Israel. And my number five is going to be Anthony Edwards. I will say Wiseman was my number six. Um, Topin, I, I think our biggest difference here is Obi. Because I have Topin okay. at 18. I'm just not as high on oh, him, wow. I, I think, as a lot of people. I, obviously, he's a tremendous talent offensively, but the, the defense scares me. And I, I don't really know how or where he defends at the next level. I, I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't know if he's a lottery-type guy for me. But like you said, there, he could very well go top three, top five. So I'm kind of on my own in that opinion. So maybe you shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> but I, I, do, I do think he's our biggest uh, point of contention here. That's fair. And to be fair, I had Wiseman number seven if I had to go that far with Wiseman. And Denny would have been number eight. Because mm-hmm. I, I do like Denny's playmaking. I just the jump the 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 field three point percentage makes me worry. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's playing the four, like I guess I'm a little bit more okay with it. But a lot of you know mock drafts having him go to the Bulls, where he would be playing the three, which you need to have better three point shooting if you're a three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I mean I think with Chicago specifically, you look at it. They have Markinen who is. When he's right, one of the best big man shooters in the league. You have Zach Levine and Kobe White, mm-hmm. who can knock it down at a pretty high clip. I, I think he makes a lot of sense there. Someone who can take a lot of pressure off those younger guards and off of Levine, who is much more of a, a shooter than a playmaker for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I buy the jumper for Avdia, which is why he's number four for me. I think it's, I, I think there's promise there. It's not great yet, but the form is good. And I think he can improve mm-hmm. and at least get it to like a league average level. And just the basketball IQ, the size, the playmaking at six eight is hard to come by. And he's been yeah, no, good, no, no, no. He's been playing good minutes in the second best league in the world with Maccabi Tel Aviv and the Euro League. Coming off the bench, he's not Luca. He's not MVP of that league, but he's a really solid player over there. And I, I think that's pretty hard for a teenager to accomplish. So he's someone I like a lot. Mm-hmm. No, but I think we, we uh, yeah, no, I'm actually surprised that we, we agreed on the top, uh, basically three, just not the order of, I mean, you, I mean, honestly, it's a flip of a coin with Halliburton and Hayes to be in my opinion, but I just like Halliburton's games a little bit more because the three point shots are already there, mm-hmm. but uh, I understand going with Hayes because he's the better athlete for sure and has a more solid form, but, um, yeah, no, I think either one would be is, is going to be. I think both are going to be good point guards in this league. Um, we'll see what happens for sure. Yeah. Um, All right, I think, I think we're gonna kick it over to Uriah now for for some Sixers talk. Finally, yeah, non draft talk. Yeah, yeah. Listening to you guys was was pretty fascinating. You guys really know your stuff when it comes to the draft. I'm I'm not on top of it as much as you guys are. So I think tonight, just to wrap it up, it's been a pretty long pod. Uh, Like we always do, I'm going to reveal some of the results from the social media question of the week. And it was it got pretty testy with uh, some of the responses. And 
wasn't what I thought it would be. And um, no one ever wants to commit, right? Um, but the question was, if James Harden was on the trade block and Houston wanted to uh, get something in return, and they reached out to Daryl Morey or Morey reached out to Houston, uh, who would you rather give up for James Harden? And the options were Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. Now, I know a lot of people are wondering, well, why not throw in Matisse or, or Al Horford or, or, or Tobias Harris? We know Houston wants something in return. They need another star for their star. And I don't really have a particular person to shout out this week, guys, but I will say this much. A lot of people said neither. I think the consensus for most of the Sixer Sense fans is they want to see what Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey can do with Ben and Joe. Now, will it happen? I think starting tomorrow we'll find out. But I'll put it on you guys. Um, if Morey could um, get Harden and we had to give up one or the other, uh, which which would you guys give up? So I think we know that me and Lucas – disagree on this subject but i do think i wonder if people will be singing the same tune with regards to people saying neither if james harden ends up in brooklyn and we have to play him four times a year with kevin durant and kyrie irving i think if that ends up being the situation then people might have a change of heart um yeah but yeah i mean for me you trade ben if you can get james harden he's one of the five best players on the planet he's maybe greatest scorer of his generation right up there with KD who might be his teammate in a few weeks <laughs> uh, so yeah it's like it's almost a no brainer for me I understand that Ben is younger but with Joel you're trying to maximize the title window right now and I think Joel and James has a very real chance of winning a championship probably for the next three years more of a chance than a team with Joe and Ben as the two best players. While I've been adamant in saying that Joe and Ben can win together, James Harden's a different animal. And as much as I love Ben, and as much as I have supported him on this podcast and advocated for his talent and his abilities and his potential, it's James Harden. So you, you just gotta, you gotta do it, in my opinion. It's Ben. Hands down. So... Chris, after our conversation last week, because we kind of talked about this on the pod last week, um, I had I, I did some some soul searching and I looked at the roster here. <laughs> soul searching. I did. No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, I looked at the roster here and I'm thinking, okay, if we trade Ben, Tobias can slide that back down to the four, no problem, which is where he's going to thrive with James Harden, Joel Embiid. That's like Tobias Harris being the third option for them is a lot more appealing than G Tobias Harris being the third option, second option scoring wise for Ben and Harden. So okay. that's that's one way I looked at it there. I have a wonderful and, idea that I have to share right now. Okay. What if sure. the Sixers trade Ben for James and then they somehow miraculously pull off a CP3 trade with Al? And Josh. Ooh. I don't know if that would work financially. Money uh money's be, gonna get in the way, I think. They'd have to really be willing to pay. But uh it would have to include, I don't know if it would um, work financially, actually. So just forget everything I said. But <laughs> it's a nice thought. 
I think even if they trade Harden for Ben, they would have to include Josh in that deal because yeah. Ben's going to start out, what, at yeah. 27 a year, 28 a year? I never said anything. What are we talking about? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful dream, but it, it is, it is just it, it is where dreams make. Uh, James you know, and Buddy Hill, my dream team. But you know what, guys? That These, could happen. That, that could can happen. happen. But guess what? These guys are billionaires. These guys, they can pay a luxury tax. I just don't know if it's, like, legal by the salary cap terms. Oh, okay. All right. Because I don't know if it works. If it is, though, then heck yeah. There is a hard cap at some point, and I don't know exactly where that is off the top of my head. It's going to be where it was last year. Somewhere between Joe, James, Tobias, and Joe, James, Tobias, and Chris Paul. Somewhere in that... (laughs) Somewhere in that range is the dip, is where the hard cap is. But no, you know, you bring up and, and you know, bringing up Buddy Heel that could work because you know James can play point guard. He's not the best at it, but he can definitely pass it out. Having a backcourt of James and Buddy Heel isn't great defensively. Mm-hmm. You lose a lot defensively, honestly, with with those two plus having to bias. But you still have Embiid anchoring defense. Yeah. You played Matisse with those that group. I mean, he's not a shooter, but he can definitely defend. And yeah. I mean, it could work. Um, I mean, but yeah, no, we, you, you, I, I said all this that say this is that you converted me to being okay with saying goodbye to Ben versus Joel. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And I will say, when we talked about James on the pod last week, it was basically like, this isn't going to happen for another year and Houston's going to run it back. And a lot has changed in that department. It well, they seems still very say likely. Were, yeah, it seems very likely that James might force his way out. It's not for sure, but it's very likely if, that neither James Harden nor Russell Westbrook are on the Rockets. I think we we we'd have to step in and just put a block on Brooklyn getting him because if Brooklyn yeah. gets him, that's a problem for the entire league. And mm-hmm. I mean, Lucas, you said you did some soul searching. I I did some too. And we, I mean, we've talked tremendously about how I feel about um, the frustrations with Ben, but, and I've also grown on Doc Rivers, the idea of him coming up, coming in and, and generating a new culture. I, I would call him Doc versus Glenn. Yeah, I know, right? I was, I was trying to follow his lead. I mean, he said, hey, I'm Glenn Rivers. But anyway, so, so I think I want to give Doc a chance. I want to give Ben another chance. I wouldn't make any major trades. I, I wrote about it the other day. Um, but I, if we could get Buddy healed somehow and, and maybe J- Josh Richardson, who's going to be leaving anyway, I, I don't know if they would go for that. But, but yeah, yeah, I think Buddy would be a good good fit for this team. And I, I will say, to your point, Uriah, that is kind of what Daryl Morey hinted at in his opening presser, is that the best move isn't always the first move available, and that Philly could very much wait and see what they have with this current roster under Doc before they make any big moves. Now, with James Harden, he's a bit of a special case because it's James Harden, and sometimes you just have to go out and get James Harden yeah. when, when he becomes available. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it's very possible that Philly just kind of sits back, you know, stands pat, sits back, let's makes a few moves on the margin, and then the big trade comes before the deadline. I, I do think that's mm-hmm. very possible. Um, like, like the Jimmy Butler trade opened up mid-season, very early in the season. So sometimes things just come along at different times. You don't always have to make a move right away. As long as Al Horford is off the roster by the playoffs, 
I think you're in good shape. So they don't have to make a trade this offseason. And I think it's very possible that with Maury needing time, frankly, to get to know his roster, they just don't. But with James, you know, it's James Harden. And Daryl Maury does know James Harden. If he knows anyone, it's James Harden. Yeah. So I, I do think yeah. if he's available, you got to throw Ben into the mix. He's a much better asset than anyone Brooklyn could offer. The Nets might be able to throw more picks out there. You know, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen is a nice package. But none of those guys are Ben Simmons. And I think if Philly comes strong with Ben and a couple picks, it's going to be really hard for Houston to turn that down. If James is like, I want out. That you know? That is equal value for James Harden. Ben's not quite as yeah. like the Ben is no scrub. Ben could have yeah. Houston in the playoffs next season. I don't know. If that might be depending a on what other moves. On what the broad- yeah, but Ben is a really good player, and he's much younger. That's a guy you would be happy, I'm sure, to build your franchise around. So, uh, no one's going to top Ben as an asset in a Harden trade. It's just hey, not going to happen. So, if hey, the Sixers just, really want him, I think they can get him. Do you know how many homeless shelters that Houston could build with Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook? Well, I mean, I all think- the bricks they they could they could home they could. If you trade James, hopefully you're trading Russ too. I don't think you're planning <laughs> I, on heard... building around Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. I'm just saying yeah. that's a lot of brick, brick city. Yeah, I, yeah, I think um, Ben doesn't I think shoot enough what to I've heard... produce brick. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also true. But I will He'd say like this a about Westbrook: that's broken. <laughs> Pretty much, no. But but for real, I will say this about uh, Westbrook: the two teams that I've heard about for him are the Knicks. And the Charlotte, uh, and it the, has to Charlotte. happen. Please, why does I have him in Charlotte so bad? Why it's weird? It's super no, weird. I'd rather him be with the Knicks and then they it, still it stink no with him. No sense at all. But nah, watching Russ finish his career in like Charlotte would be kind of hilarious. <laughs> him and Jordan, it's just I... funny to me. It's amusing to me. The Knicks are amusing too. The Knicks like giving up their rebuild and shelling out a bunch of assets for Russell Westbrook would uh. be equally amusing. And it's probably uh, more the, likely. That'd be like uh, the Amari. Was, that'd be like the Amari Stoudemire trade. Where no, the, no, no, no the Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, well, that, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think a, a non-relevant team. You know, you know, if the Kings didn't have a point guard the already, Knicks I would are probably a non-relevant say, team, and so are Charlotte, and neither of them should make that trade. You know, one thing I, I saw like a fake Bleacher Report uh, account make was, oh, he's going to Orlando. You know, Please, no. that's though. worse than Charlotte. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's Charlotte. let's just brainstorm here, like the like some fun places where we could see Russell Westbrook go. Put him in I, Golden I, State. Trade Andrew Wiggins. And you know, that's, that, I heard Curry, that though. Clay, Draymond. Hey, I, I heard that though. I heard that as an option. It'd be a I'm just beautiful like, disaster. But wait, Lucas. I mean, the disaster is in Orlando. Let's get back to Orlando real quick. Can you imagine? Westbrook and Markel Fultz. Well, Markel oh, no. Fultz I'm sure Fultz would probably the... be going to Houston. Um, I think if you're oh, you trading to Orlando, Fultz is probably well, well, I said, if, if Fultz goes to Houston, that's a Ben and Fultz reunion. Oh, gosh, the bricks that would continue oh, yes. to be laid. There we go. It all comes yes. out of circle. That's what we're creating right now. Yes. This this is pure gold here, guys. Are, pure gold. Our only goal is to reunite Ben and Markel. Uh it's gonna be, it's gonna could be have a been. fun week. It's gonna be a fun week, guys. I can't I can't wait. I can't wait to tweet you guys on, on Twitter and I'm win. trying to think of 
Would you trade John? Well, no, because that's still bad money. Uh, I was about to say John Would Wall I trade for Russell Al Westbrook. Horford for John Wall, maybe. Ugh. Ooh, Ooh, that's a tough one. I, maybe it depends. I mean, he looks healthy in those clips. He makes a lot of money, guys. I'd want to see what John Wall looks like before I did that. I mean, we see that has to be clips. one of those mid-season trades. I'd want to see him in an actual game, not like an open gym. Fair enough. With uh, the but would, would, but if he actually plays well, would you would would Washington if, really go for that though? If he's like eighty percent of past John Wall, probably not. But so as we wait for Ben and Marco's reunion, and as we wait <laughs> for Philly to stash four more stretch bigs overseas, yes. we're gonna have to sign out. Um, the draft is in on November eighteenth, right around the corner. We're gonna have some more content on the site. Regarding that, I plan to publish a Sixers draft guide, a kind of one place, you know, a one-stop shop for everything Sixers draft. In the next couple of days, it'll be up at least, it'll be up before the draft. So check back, check at the site for that. And as always, we really do appreciate you guys tuning in and giving us an hour, two hours of your week to talk Sixers basketball. This is obviously a very long podcast. A lot to talk about with this draft. A lot of exciting things could happen over the next week. We got the trade moratorium coming up. We got free agency coming up. So next Sunday, I'm sure is going to be a very fun pod. Whether the Sixers do anything or not, there's just going to be a lot to talk about. And I'm sure it'll be very exciting. So we'll see y'all then. And, and, And until then, you know, go Sixers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.